Well, my, 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 how's everybody doing tonight? Y'all getting that down so I don't have to argue with it before I get started. That's pretty good. Uh, if you got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 5 tonight, and we'll be talking about what it means to obey God. But uh, uh, the best way I know how, I have tried this week so far to help us all to realize that that God is perfect and holy and just and righteous, and, and uh, but we are sinners, and uh, saved and unsaved, we both have sin, we have to confess, and it's up to us to confess our sins, agree that God is good and we are not, and we need his help. Uh, I have a verse over, I used to have a verse over my door post as I would go out to work every day that says, without Jesus, Steve can do nothing. And we've got to come to that place in our life, okay? And, uh, of course, then we've been talking to different people I've been talking with. You know, I said, well, how do we exactly get there? And, and uh, you know, wh what's the next step and all these kind of things? And uh, it is, and, and I'm speaking to uh, uh, some third graders, I think, after school tomorrow. Uh, and the guy that's reading, because he's, he's been talking to them about the different ways we know God. And yeah, we know God from uh, experience. We know God from uh, the, the Bible. We know God from sermons. We know God from songs. We know God uh, from uh, tapes and television programs and you name it. But uh, when you read in the back of uh, the book of John, it talks about knowing God. Knowing God. K-N-O-W. Knowing God. Now, that's not knowing God up here, Okay. It is not even knowing God here. It is that word to know means to know from experience. That God will show up in your life and do things you cannot do and you cannot control, and he will do those in your life. And you can know that he's real. And until God shows up in your life and does stuff in your life that nobody else can do, can I tell you something? The pull of the world is always going to overcome your head knowledge of God. You've got to experience Him in your life, okay? Now, uh, a few years back, uh, my daughter was working out in the weight room at Snowbird, and we have octagonal dumbbells. They're not round. And she was doing an exercise, and her feet slipped, and two dumbbells came together and mashed off her finger. Right between this joint and that joint, it just crushed. It was just hanging on by a little piece of skin there. I mean, it was, ooh, makes me feel funny, don't But anyway, and it was hanging on, and, you know, yes, she went to holler, and it was bleeding, and she needed to go to the doctor. But we took time to take some pictures of it before we took her. <laughs> And we got up there, and the, got in there, and the doctor said he was going to try to sew that on, and we were glad about that. And he said, well, I'll tell you after the surgery, he said, I've got the finger sewed back on, but I'm not sure I got enough blood vessels and nerves connected that it was going to live. And he said, the only thing to do is you just go home and wait a week and come back. So, man, we went home, and she had that thing above her head. She was crying. It was hurting so bad. And we went back a week later, and they unwrapped that thing, and that was the nastiest looking thing you have ever seen. It was black and all kind of shriveled up and had some old gnarly fingernail on it. And it was looking mighty bad. And we took some pictures of it. But anyway, uh, 
Well, then when the doctor sewed it back on, he wanted to kind of leave as much dub as he could so that when she'd go to grab on to stuff, it, she'd have a little, you know, a little traction there. But he had to pull the skin real tight to get it over there. And so he sewed it back up, and a week later we had to go back, and he had to cut it off to the, to the knuckle and then sew it up and then all that. Now, you know what? I have tried to graphically explain to you what it is to have your finger mashed off, okay? And I saw a lot of you, you know, you're going, ooh, you know, and you get those funny feelings down your legs and on your arms, you know, and you go, ooh, man, he, he explained that, and man, I know what it is like to have your finger cut off. No, how many people in here have had a finger cut off? Raise your hand. Anybody got a finger cut off? Okay. My, my daughter... And these two gentlemen are the only people that know what it is to lose a finger. The rest of us just think we know. The rest of us have a head knowledge of what happened. But I'm telling you something. Jesus, these gentlemen know what it's like to have a finger cut off. And let me ask you something. Do you know God that way? Do you know God that way? Do you know? You have experienced him. He's shown up. And uh, we do a thing at camp where we have story time. And uh, before I start every sermon at camp, I tell a story about how God has shown up in my life. Because I want them to know that the creator of the universe wants to step down right in the middle of their business, in their circumstances, and he wants to show up and he wants to show out. And we, and, and see, once you start allowing God to show up in your life, can I tell you something? When that starts happening, Pastor, you'll, have to, you'll, you'll get to stop motivating. You won't have to push. You won't have to shove. You won't have to beg. Because when they so, see God show up in their life, they're hooked. That's why they were created. That's why. And so you need to realize that we need to know God from experience. Now, we've talked about our confession of sin, our repentance of sin, and keeping no cloud between us and our Heavenly Father but I want you to understand something. There's another step that you have to be involved in, and that's obeying when you hear God speak. When God speaks, you've got to do what he tells you to do. And he's never going to ask you to do something you can't do. He's never going to ask you to do something that's impossible. But he's going to ask you to do things that, that you can't do on your own. If you could do it without God, you wouldn't need him. So he's going to push you, and he's going to, He's going to uh, ask you to do things that you can't normally do. And then that is when you begin to know God from experience. If you know God from experience, you can't come to the church house and just sit there and, uh, and not worship and not pray and not give and not serve. You know what? Because you know, you'll experience God in your life. And can I tell you something? That is Christianity 101. That's the beginning step of Christianity. So uh, we need to be the place in our life where we are experiencing God, and we must do that through obedience. The Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, when you do not do the things that I say? And when God speaks to you, you need to learn to obey, okay? Now, here's some guys on the Sea of Galilee 2,000 years ago, they learned about obedience. 
And thank God to the power of the Holy Spirit, we can learn tonight about obedience. Uh, ch starting in verse 1 in chapter 5 of Luke, it says that it came to pass that the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake at Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee. He saw two ships standing by the lake, and the fisher were, fishermen were gone out of them, and they were, uh, and they were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed that he would uh, thrust out uh, from, the land, from, from the land a little bit. And he sat down, and he taught, the, he taught the people out of the ship. And now when he had stopped speaking or left speaking, he said to Simon, launch, down, launch uh, out unto the, unto the deep and let down your nets for a draught of fishes. And Simon answered him, saying, Master, we have toiled all night and have caught nothing, but nevertheless at your word... Nevertheless, regardless of the circumstances, no matter what I think, I will let down the net, okay? And he says, when they'd done this, they closed a great multitude of fishes until their nets began to break. And they beckoned to the partners, which were in other ships, and they came and they filled both ships until they began to sink. And now when P Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord." And they were astonished, and all that were with him, of the great draught of fishes that were taken. And so James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon, and Jesus said to Simon, Fear not, henceforth ye shall catch men. And verse 11 says, And when they brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. It starts out there, and it says that... Uh, that Jesus, and he's about to preach to the people on the Sea of Galilee there, and it says that uh, uh, he saw two ships standing there, and the two men and the ship fishermen were washing their nets, okay? Now, my Bible tells me that everything in the Word of God is important, okay? This is not a story you're not supposed to learn, but you're supposed to be able to look into the story and see what it means to obey God, not in the life of Peter, but in your life. Okay, and uh, and everything in the Bible, and I'll be I'll be I'll be honest with you, I am the typical male person. Okay, so that means when I picked this shirt up to see if I could wear it to church tonight, what did I do, ladies? Smell of it. Okay, and if it didn't burn the hair out of my nose, I slipped it on. You know, <laughs> looked pretty good, huh? I got a pair of Levi's, I just whistle and they walk over and I jump in them. <laughs> but you know, for a long time, you know, all through the, the Bible here, and they were washing their nets. And in, in my male mind, I said, dear Lord, they just pulled them out of the lake. How dirty can they be? Right? But you know what? So I had to start studying that and figure out what the deal was because it was meant for me. And I found out that if you catch a fish in a net, you know that slimy stuff on the side of a fish? It will get rubbed off and get rubbed into that net. And unless you wash it out real good, and that if you don't wash it out real good, that net will go to stinking. And the fishermen, can't, they, said, they found out you can't catch fish in a stinky net. Oh, I think you got it, didn't you? You say, well, I'm not leading anybody to cry. Well, maybe you got a stinky net. You can't catch fish 
in a stinky net. But it said that, see, that Jesus said to Peter, he said, I want you to launch out just a little bit off the shore. I want you to let down your net for a drop of fishes. Okay? And so, uh, so I mean, no, he, he said, push out and I'll teach. See, Jesus, knowing all things, he knew that it, the acoustics of him being back off the, in the water and his voice would bounce off the water and then up in the crowd. There were, you know, probably five or 6,000 people there. He taught them. And then, it, I, you know what I really believe? I believe it's kind of like show and tell. I believe Jesus had just taught the people about obedience, and then he turns around to Simon. And he says, Simon, push out here in the deep water and let down your net for a drop of fishes. And then Peter says, but God, we have fished all night and we have caught nothing. Now right here, this sermon could go about five different ways. We could talk about works of the flesh versus works of the spirit. We could talk about the fact that unless God tells you to do it, you, you know, uh, I'm a real big of, a fan of uh, uh, Oswald Chambers. And on March 20th in his daily devotion, he says, it doesn't hurt to check up about every week and make sure what you're doing has been ordained by God. Because let me tell you something. We've got church down to such a machine. We can come in, sit down, sing the song, stand up, give the offering, hear the sermon, go through the invitation, walk out, and leave here exactly the same we came. And you know what? It, would, it wouldn't, be, wouldn't be a bad idea that about once a week we'd say, God, am I doing what you want me to do or am I doing what I think I ought to do? Am I doing what you want me to do or are you doing me what we've always done? Right here, when, it, when Jesus turns to uh, Peter and says, let down your net of a drop, for a drop of fishes, I know for a fact that Peter was not Baptist. If Peter had been a Baptist, he'd say, well, we've never done it that way before. Huh? Well, we've never done it that way before. Let me tell you something, folks. The message of the gospel can never change. But the methods of presenting the gospel must change with the culture. It's just, if you're going to reach people for Christ, you are going to have to know where people are coming from and what they got on their mind and what they're looking for. And you've got to reach out to them. And you know what? And you've got to, st you've got to stop being selfish and doing it your way for your needs. And you've got to start doing it their way for their needs so that you can serve them. He says, nevertheless, at thy word. He, sa he said, it's like this. I truly believe that, that uh, you know, well, we've never done it that way. Now, this is not Peter's attitude, okay? I truly believe that he loved Jesus. Well, he just met Jesus. He'd been following his teaching and everything, but he loved him, and he wanted to protect. And I truly believe that he was trying to protect Jesus, okay? Here's Jesus, all right? Right here he is, okay? All right, here he is. He's tall, not real good looking. Need a little more hair, but... Here's Jesus, and here's Peter. And Jesus said, let down your net. Come on. Let down your net. Say it. Let down your net. 
My Jesus is a little smarter than this one, okay? <laughs> and you know, what, you know what I believe that Peter did? I don't believe he was being hard on Jesus. I think he was trying to protect Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, buddy. Man, listen to me. Teaching, they can't nobody touch you. That teaching stuff. And preaching, whoo, 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 whoo. I mean, you're the greatest preacher I ever heard. And man, that healing of the sick. Oh, yeah. And man, the raising of the dead. Who, but Jesus, don't you realize uh, there's 5,000 people sitting on the bank, and I wouldn't want us to get, you know, and, you know, I kind of know fishing, and you don't, so you, you might want to reconsider. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> See, Peter was concerned that Jesus didn't know about fishing, and he didn't want him to get embarrassed. Isn't it amazing how little Jesus knows about our business? Isn't it amazing how much we can just do all without it? Well, you you got to understand, I went to the University of North Carolina, and I got agreed I could run this company. Not without Jesus, you can't. Well, I started working in the mailroom, and I worked my way up, and now I'm the number one man. And guess what? You need Jesus to help run your business. You need Jesus to help raise your family. You need Jesus to keep you in keep you sane in today's world. And you need to realize God knows all about your business. And you're not out there on your own. The creator of the universe created you, and he has a purpose for you, and he has goals for you. And when you finally surrender to him and start obeying him, then he can show up in your life, and you will realize why you were created. Nevertheless, because you said so. Whether you understand what the Word of God says totally, it doesn't matter what God whispers in your ear. I want you to know when He speaks, you need to obey. Here's what I hear. Well, if God will show me His will, I will pray about it and decide if I'm going to do it. How stupid is that? You know what you just told me? Your God is no bigger than your brain. If you can't figure it out with your head, you're not going to do it. You know what? You're saying, I don't need God. But let me tell you something. What God wants you to do is when you say, do something, he says something, do something to you, that you do it. Now, let me tell you something. God can speak to you through a thousand different ways and a thousand different modes. And you know what? Your heart has got to be in tune with his because there's a whole lot of other voices out there they're going to be telling you to do stuff too. And you have to know when it is God speaking to you. I spent a month in the Amazon jungle in 1985 when I got back to Lima, Peru. Got my, back to my motel room. I called my wife. It was 4 o'clock in the morning in Georgia. I'd been, I'd been totally out of, uh, no way to get in touch with me for, for about a month. And I called her at 4.30 in the morning. I said, hello, baby. And she did not say, who is this? <laughs> at that time, we'd been married about 15 years. We spent a lot of, a lot of talking. And when, she, when I spoke, she understood. When God speaks, Jesus said, Jesus said he speaks to his sheep. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. 
And see, God is speaking to you, and when he speaks, can I tell you something? The fact that God speaks, you hear and you do. That, my friends, is Christianity. Not going to church, not being baptized, not trying to be a good person. It is you doing what the Almighty God in heaven says do. Doing what he says do. Can I tell you something? That is the fun. I mean, that is pure joy. And not just spiritual joy, but I'm talking about yee-haw, laughing joy. When I used to have to take my son to school, I'd drop him off in front of the school, and right across from the school was a cemetery. And in that cemetery, every uh, morning, at that time, we called them metalheads, okay? I think you kids today would call them goths, okay? Y'all know what I'm talking about when I talk about goths, okay? Black makeup, black clothes, red lips, you know, the whole thing. And I'd see them sitting over there every time I, and they'd be sitting over there, we're smoking something, you know, over there, you know, sitting on the tombstones and stuff, which is kind of weird. And every day I'd pray for them as I was leaving there. And uh, finally one day I went by, as I was going by, the, the grand poopah of the, uh, of, the, of the metalheads, he was out there standing on the top of the biggest tombstone in the whole cemetery going, Da-da! and I just assumed he was screaming at God. And God said to me, go see what he wants. So I just pulled my car in the next driveway, locked my car, walked back to the cemetery, walked in, and I got about 20 yards from those guys. He says, what are you doing in here? I said, well, you were screaming out to God a while ago. He sent me by here to see what you needed. <laughs> they don't smoke in the cemetery anymore. <laughs> and if you don't think that's fun, you're bad wrong, you know. <laughs> just to have God speak. And you know what? He speaks to us. And you know what? He's going to, and, and, and he, he speaks to us to do the things that we wouldn't normally do. The things that put us out of our comfort zone. The things that push us to a place where we just got to truly believe it's him. And he said, nevertheless, at my word, let down your nets. It said when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. They, they had more fish in their nets than they had ever caught before because they had to call their partners. It says that in verse 6 and verse 9, it says that all were astonished at the great drop of fishes that were taken. You know what? I want to ask you something. Are you astonished by what God is doing in your life? Are you, I mean, are you just like, you know, I cannot explain this. I can't explain this. And you know what? That's not some, uh, spiritual, you know, de- I mean, you know, that is normal Christianity. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give you life abundant. Amen. Now, did I say your life is going to be perfect? Did I say your life was going to be easy? Did I say you have nothing that would go wrong? No. But I said you'll have an abundant life Because no matter what you're going through, Jesus is there to lead you through it. And you do not have to go it alone. And let me tell you something. When those people on the Sea of Galilee started obeying Jesus that day, guess what? They saw God move in their life. And they saw what would happen if they obeyed God. And you know what? And until you start obeying God, and until you start 
doing what he says until you start allowing him to work in your life. It says that Peter called to his disciple, to his friends to fill their other boat, but he didn't do it until after he had obeyed. Until you start obeying God and doing what he wants you to do, can I tell you something? You've got nothing to call your neighbors about. And until you're, until you're allowing Jesus to work in your life, you're doing the same old stuff that lost people are doing. Just doing the best you can and trying to be good. God calls us to a whole lot deeper walk, a whole lot more committed life than just being good. And in the church today, you know, I, I mean, uh, I'll go ahead and say it. You know what? Churches are full of good folks, but they're good for nothing. Just going through the motions. Good people, and they'll tell you how good they are. But they're doing nothing because they aren't obeying God. Until you start obeying God, you have nothing left to share with your friends. When I was out in the world, I mean, I was a good old country redneck boy. And if, you went, if we went fishing, I bought the bait. And if we hunted, you hunted with my dogs. And you know what? I wanted to take care of my friends. So I would do wonderful things for my friends like buy them moonshine liquor, filtered through a car radiator, full of mercury. And I thought I was being so cool, and the only thing I was sharing with them is death. I thought, I thought, man, this is great. But all I was doing was sharing death. Get a little marijuana, take a little rat poison and grind up in there and get you get the real kick out of that. And I thought I was being so cool, but you know what I was doing? I was giving them death. Death. Until you start obeying God, can I tell you something? You're not doing anything but spreading death and wrath of God on your friends and family until you start obeying God. This thing about just going through the motions, that is legalistic drudgery, and it will choke the life out of any human being. Legalistic drudgery. He says, he says that he beckoned to their partners and they filled both boats until they begin to sink. Now see, this thing about studying the Word of God, these are not just stories. These are stories that are loaded with truth that apply to your life. And if you're just reading the Bible just to read the stories, and you don't get a commentary, you don't, you don't do something that makes you understand why this is for you, you're just reading for mileage. When you read this, you need to know what God is saying to you. And yes, there are commentaries, there are all these different study aids, but you know what? You know what? This thing about anything worthwhile has got some work involved. When I was in high school, we won some state championships. And we weren't just didn't sit around and talk about what a good football team we were. We had to get out and work. We won state, state championship. It was worth it. Played in college, played in a bowl game my sophomore year. We didn't, get, we didn't play that bowl, get, bowl game because we 
just thought we were a good football team, tried to be good when we went out there. We had to work every day, work hard to win the Southern Conference and play in that bowl game. And you think your Christianity is any different than that? Yes, we're saved by grace, praise God, and it's nothing about the work that we do. But I, let me tell you something. If you truly believe that you were on your way to hell and Jesus snatched you into, out of hell and put you on the road to heaven, can I tell you something? I got a sneaky feeling that you didn't work for your salvation, but because of what he did, you get busy. You get busy. Doing what God told you. You do it whether you feel like it or not. You do it whether you understand it or not. You just do it because God said do it. Well, I don't know what to do. Well, just do what you know to do until you figure out what to do. What do you know to do? Pray. Read the Bible. Serve others. Start there. Start obeying. You know you're supposed to do that? Do that. We walk from faith to faith. God says you do this. You say, okay. Then he says this, and you step forward like this. He said this, and it's from faith to faith to faith to do this, do this, do this. And so you know what? And so many of us got saved, and we, we accepted Jesus by, by faith, and then, yeah, then we stepped out, and we, we got baptized by faith, and here we stand. And we've not gone any further. And let me tell you something. If you're not growing in Christ, you know, where, you know where God's going to tell you to look? Right where you stopped. Right where you stopped. And you know what? He will come and he will show you what to do. And you can be begin a walk of faith. It says in verse 8 here, it says that when Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' feet and said, Depart from me, O Lord, because I am a sinful man. Uh, the picture there that the Word gives us is that, that Peter fell prostrate in front of God. Prostrate in front of God. I can't remember. Anyway, he, he fell on his knees, okay? And you know what he said? He said, I am a sinful man, O Lord. You need to get away from me because I've never really truly followed you to before. But he says, Jesus, I never want to fish the old way again. Now, I want you to think about something. How many times in Peter's life had he let down the nets? Thousands upon thousand times he let down the nets. Same way, up and down, up and down. And Jesus got in the boat and said, Peter, why don't you try fishing my way one time? And he asked him to let down his net, something Jesus, that Peter had done a zillion times. But what happened is, when Peter fished Jesus' way one day, he fell on his face before Jesus and said, I will never fish this way again. I'm no, never going back to my old way. So many people, so many young people are so afraid to, to surrender to God and start obeying his word is because they think right out of the chute that he's going to ask them to be a missionary to Zimbabwe or something. That's not the way it works. 
You know what Jesus is asking you to do tomorrow? Would you just go to work tomorrow my way? Just go to work tomorrow and be mine. Pray that you'll be mine. Work like you are mine. And tomorrow when you go to work, when you go to school, wherever you go tomorrow, would you just do it my way? Just like Peter dropping those nets, he just wants you to drop your net tomorrow just like you've been dropping it. And you know what? You drop it in that water and you're going to feel some little fish bounce around that thing. You're going to start getting excited because you're doing it God's way. Would you just say, God, help me tomorrow to be totally and completely yours. And that I do nothing tomorrow that I don't first think, will this bring honor and glory to you? And can I tell you something? It will change the way you live. You will begin to see God move in your life, and you will say, God, I'll never go back and live like I lived before. Peter says, I'll never fish my way again. Again, in verse 9, it talks about they were astonished. Can I tell you something? This is a great church. I love coming to church here. I love being with you guys. I love hanging with you guys. And you know what? The Spirit of God is, is in you folks, and y'all and y'all are great folks. But let me tell you a little, and y'all got two services, and you got a great facility, but God has not even, you have not touched the hem of his garment as to what he wants to do in the Teresa Baptist Church. Amen. For every person here, there's a hundred out there in this county that need to be here. And you know what? Y'all are going to have to lead, and you're going to have to obey, and you're going to have to do and build what it takes to facilitate them. You want to wear pastor out until he has no hair, not just gray and not just a little bit, <laughs> but you've got to work him until he has no hair. Uh, footnote, y'all need to hire some staff to help him. I just throw that in for nothing. <laughs> He's not the Lone Ranger. He needs some help. It said that Jesus, and it says, and so James and John, the sons of Zebedee, um, Jesus said to them, fear not, henceforth ye shall catch men. You know, I wondered why, I mean, how many times have you heard James and John, the sons of Zebedee? So why did God keep telling us over and over that James and John were the sons of Zebedee? I got it. You know, what was they? they are his boys, you know. No, why does Jesus keep telling us that they are his boys? Well, you know what? James and John were fishermen. And guess what his daddy did? He was a fisherman. That's the way it was done in those days. And his grandfather was a fisherman. And his grandfather before that was a fisherman. So you see here that James and John, they knew about fishing, but Jesus said to them, you've been fishing your way, but from now on you'll catch fish my way, and fear not, you'll be fishers of men. You will catch fish, and you will be fishers. The word catch there 
in the Bible is a very unusual word, and, it, and, it's, and it's totally different than we even think about when it comes to fish. Because that word catch in the Greek means you catch them alive and they'll stay alive. What's the significance of that? Well, it's like this. If you and I should go fishing next time I come by here, hint, 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 okay? <laughs> and we catch some fish, we pull them out of the water, we throw them in a bucket, what's going to happen pretty quick? They're going to die, okay? Doesn't matter, we clean them, eat them anyway, but they die. That's what fish do. But Jesus says, no, no, no. You're not going to fish like that anymore. He said, the ones you catch today will live for eternity. If you catch them my way, they will live forever. Jesus in paradise. Whole different kind of fishing right there. Eternal fishing. How do we do it? Obey God and do what he says before, before we, whether we understand it or not. I was uh, sitting in a worship service, went to this little church uh, right after I was saved and uh, called to preach. Pastor was about my age. Uh, he was in his late 20s, I guess. He was married and had, uh, married, married, had an 18-month-old son, wonderful wife. They'd done a great job of preaching that church for three or four years, I guess. I don't know. And he walks to the pulpit one Sunday and said, six months from today, I'm going to be a missionary in the Amazon jungle in Peru. And I'm giving my notice today that I'm leaving. Well, we were all kind of shocked and, you know, we didn't know what to think and we wanted to hear the rest of the story. But as I was sitting there, I do not, well, I don't think it was audible because no, nobody else looked around. But God whispered in my ear, and he says, Steve, if you ever want to sleep in your bed again, you'll go to Peru, and you'll build Freddie and Becca a house that they can be safe in. I heard God say that to me. On the way home, I was think, driving and thinking about what God had told me, and I said, God, I know that I heard you tell me to do that. But if, but you know what? But if you don't mind, would you also tell my wife? <laughs> that sounds smart, doesn't it? Huh? Because, see, I, you know, I'm gone most of the time anyway. And, you know, and she thinks I'm kind of like Indiana Jones. I, I keep a bag packed in my office all the time. So you say, go, I'm ready. But I say, God, it sure would be nice if you told my bride. Two days later, I was working in my office downstairs, and she walked in the office. She said, I just finished my devotion time, and I really believe that God wants you to go with Freddie and Becca and build them a house. Can I tell you something? When you get a word like that from God, you will, you will charge hell with a squirt gun and feel totally justified. You'll know. God, God told me and confirmed through my wife that I'm supposed to go. And can I tell you something? It was, it was an unbelievable experience, but I had the peace that passes all understanding 
as I went through life and death situations every day. Do you know what it means to obey God and have him show up in your life like you cannot explain or understand? And verse 11 says this. It says, And when they brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Peter and the boys were just minding their own business fishing. And Jesus stepped in the boat, stepped in their lives, and they were never the same. They obeyed God in doing a task that they'd done every day for their lives as long as they lived. But they fished Jesus' way one time, and they were never the same. They were in their ships, and they got their ships full of the fish. And it says they drove their sh boats to shore, and they parked them. Now I want to ask you something. What is in the boats? What do the boats represent? Number one, the fishing represents their heritage. They were fishermen, their daddy were fishermen, their sons were to be fishermen, and fishermen were and fishing was their heritage. Fishing was their education. They had taken net cleaning 101 and da 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 and they the, their whole world revolved around fishing. The boats were full of what? Fish. Which means they were full of money. Their ship had come in. And those ships re represented a boatload of money, their heritage, their education, and their reputation. And they saw what God would do in one teeny tiny act of obedience. And they rode those boats up onto the, the bank. They got out of the boats and they walked away saying, and they forsook all. You know what that word means? They walked away from all that and never looked back. Their, her their heritage, their education, money, and they walked away forsook everything that they knew from before, and they followed him to catch men. Can I tell you something? Do you think Jesus required that sacrifice of Peter, James, and John, and he doesn't require that sacrifice of you? He requires you to forsake all and follow him. Guys, if we're going to be the men and women of God that this community needs to see, it's going to be men and women that have totally surrendered their life to God. Every head bowed, every eye closed.